Hallelujah. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time, Lord, that we've gathered together here, Lord. And we thank you for your presence. Lord, even though, Lord, you have changed our order of things, Lord, we don't mind. Lord, but we yield to you, God. And we say, let your spirit have free course in this place, Lord, because we are your people. This is your church. Lord, and we desire your will to be done in us and through us, Lord. We are just vessels that want to be fit for the master's use. So you continue to shape us and mold us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Move every issue, move every roadblock, every filter that will stop us from receiving from your spirit. Let your divine will be done in us and even through us, Lord, as we yield ourselves to you. We thank you for everyone that's here, God. You know every circumstance and situation. Speak to those areas, Lord. Have your way, God. Do what only you can do. I'm just a vessel, Lord, and I'm glad to be used by you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The nursery is open and available for anyone that needs it. Everybody else will be staying in. Our children, our youth. Amen. Hallelujah. God is an amazing God. And I, I think you might know that already, but I just like to say it. Amen. And he is an amazing God. Amen. And we are glad to be in his company. Glad to be called a child of God, amen, and walking in his ways. Hallelujah. And he's been doing some amazing things, amen. And, you know, life is full of challenges. Every day we wake up, you know, we, you, you might wonder, what am I going to face today? Amen. But I'll tell you, better, the better thing to do when you wake up and say, thank you, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Man, because, you know, something could come up. That don't necessarily mean it will, but something could come up throughout the course of any day, amen, and we know that we have to, we can't just say, I'm checking out today. Now, we have to continue to press forward and, and, and deal with those things, amen, so that when it comes time for us to lay our head down, we, we want to be able to lay our head down in peace, amen, hallelujah. So this morning, we're going to shift, I'm going to shift a little bit here, amen, because there's so many things I, in, in my, my mind and in my spirit that I want to I talk about. You know, this particular direction that God has me shifting to here for the next few couple of weeks or so, amen, is important. It's imperative, amen. As, as I said earlier, amen, Sister Karen was all over this. Hallelujah. And she, she, wasn't, she wasn't in my study time, in my prayer time, amen. But the Holy Spirit was, amen. And even the fact how the orchestra, everything came together just as God intended for it to come together. So this morning we're going we're gonna to talk about that subject, amen, that kind of is near and dear to all of our hearts. Amen? Amen. And some, it might make some people nervous or anxious, you know, a little uncomfortable. But, and, and, but then there's others in the room that it will make happy. Amen. And, and, and they'll feel blessed, amen, and understand why, and, you know, we have to talk about this particular topic, amen. And that is talking about money. I didn't come to church to hear about money. I came to hear about God. And I want to know, I don't want to know about Jesus. But when you read the New Testament, Jesus talks more about money than he does about heaven. So we just talking about what Jesus is talking about. Amen? Don't get nervous. It's all right. We all, we all, we all have to take it on board, amen, and decide how, what we're going to do with it. Amen? But we got to, you know, look at this thing. Amen? Because we all desire, we all work for, we all seek in one way or another Amen, to increase our financial strength. You know, right? 
I mean, ain't no one trying to see how I can get broke fast. You know, everybody's writing books about how I can get rich quick. Amen. And looking at all the things that we know, there's so many schemes and ideas and, and ways that are, are promoted, amen, to, to try to get wealth. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So we, we're going to take some time, amen, just to kind of dig into this a little bit. But first I want to ask you a question and, and, and consider this. How many of you would consider yourselves to be financially rich? I don't see no hands going up. But think about how many of you would, you know, because oftentimes we feel like I don't got enough money. I'm just barely making it by. I'm scraping. It's just tough. It's hard. Amen. Just money come, money go. Amen. It's just, it's just like, like I got purses and, and pockets with holes in them. Remember, do you consider yourself financially rich? Amen. I got one yes. Thank you, Dylan. Amen. You know, and, and stop me, but when we think about all the things that's pulling on us, amen, all the things that are screaming for your money, amen, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take my time here. So I hope y'all ain't in no hurry today. Amen. God ain't in no hurry, even though he made the whole world in seven days. Amen. But I, wa- I want you to, to take a look at this. this um, if you don't think you're rich, or you don't feel rich financially, amen, I want you to take a look at this particular website that I, I've come across. Amen. Can you bring that up for me, Brother Porter? And Put it on the screen. Amen. Hallelujah. And maybe, you know, you get some time in your own time. I don't want anybody going on any smartphones and devices right now because then I'll lose you completely. You know, but you can go to this website, amen, and, and you take time to put in your own information. Now, I need you to enlarge it. You hit control. And enlarge that. Hallelujah. How you make it larger? Huh? Control plus. Or if you got a wheel, you got a Microsoft mouse, you can scroll it up a little bit with the wheel. Just control it with the wheel. Come on, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. There we go. That's good right there. I think you might have to go back just a little bit. Amen. This, this website is globalrichlist.com. Write it down. Globalrichlist.com. That's good right there. Okay. And the reason I'm taking you here, because I want us to take a look at, you know, this is a site. I mean, these, these particular people, amen, they put together all kinds of sites for all kinds of things, amen. This particular one they put together, and once they put it together, they decide, well, we can use this to raise money for our, our favorite charity. But it's a powerful site. Amen. And, and it helps us see things. Now, what would we say is the medium income in America was the medium income in America in 2014? About $65,000. Anybody else got to take a shot at it? And when the medium is about, you know, the average. <laughs> Dig in. 48.5. Anybody else? About 30. Fifty. Well, actually, you know, I looked at the site that I looked at, you know, um, centers dot, I mean, statistics, they came up with a site. I mean, what they looked at for 2014, it was posted on CNN, said that the medium 
income in America for 2014 was $53,891. That's, that's pretty good income. Amen. 53000 So you want to punch that into the site for me, please? First, you want to select, go up to the top, up the top one there, select location. You, oh, no, no, go up, up right there, U.S. dollars. That's what we spend, right? Okay, now put that number in there. No, 53,891. All right, now go down, show results. Roll up a little bit more. No, I said yes, you. No, up, down rather. I'm, I'm, see, I'm up and down. I'm, I'm, I'm. Okay, whoa, 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 slow down. Go back there. Go back, back, back. Okay, come on down a little bit. Up. See, we up. We got this up and down thing backwards. Okay, bring it this way. Okay, right there, right there, right there. Okay, so what this is showing is if you are at the medium income, you are in point. The top 0.25% of income globally. Globally. In other words, you're up there, way up there in the top 1% of income. Someone say, well, I don't make 53000 No, but let's scroll up some, this way, that way. Up, up. See, when I say up, that's the way. When I say down, okay, we're going we gonna to get coordinated. Okay, now where are we at? Back down a little bit. No, you, I think you went too far. Back up. We're going to get coordinated here. Okay, you're right. Okay, move up. Now, see, see, okay. I won't say, I'll just point. Okay, now, now take me down. There we go. We got it now. Take me down. Down. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Right there, right there. Whoa, 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 whoa. A little bit right there. It says, in one hour you make, okay? No, it didn't fill up. Why didn't it fill up? What's going on? Back up a little bit. I think your site's not acting right. No, no, no. I mean the size of it. Something's going on because it should have filled in an amount right there of what you make. Well, see, that's what it should be. Okay, scroll it back. As far as not back size-wise, maybe it's pushing it too much. I really want us to get this. Huh? Somebody got the site on their device already. Okay, there we go. There it is right there. So that means you're pulling in $28.07 an hour. Okay? An hour. Okay, now what it says here that you can't see, it says, me, meanwhile, the average laborer in Indonesia makes 39 cents in the same time. The time you make $28.07 an hour in Indonesia, the mean average worker in Indonesia is making 39 cents. You feel rich yet? Huh? Okay, scroll it up some more. I'm getting it back right now. Going down some more. Down. Yeah, there you go. Down. Down. 
So it would take that worker, look at this, 72 years. You earn, for you to earn that much in one year, it would take that same worker in Indonesia 72 years to make what you make in one year. 72 years. That's a lifetime. Okay? And that's why the calendar is still counting. It's trying to get 72 years down. Okay, take me down a little bit further. This one is pretty cool. A little bit more. Right there. Say, thirsty? It'll only take one minute for you to earn enough to re for a refreshing Coca-Cola. If the average laborer in Zimbabwe fancied one, they'd have to work for an hour for one Coke. <laughs> See, I wouldn't be drinking Coke. Okay, let's go down just a little bit more. Down. This one. Now, look at this one. Anybody want to be a doctor? Okay. Based on what the average American makes, your salary, your monthly salary, could pay the salary of 235 doctors. And where is that? Azra Jawan. 235 doctors, you could pay their monthly salary based on what you make a month. And like I said, write the site down. Go in and put your own information in there. Maybe you say, well, I only make $20,000 or I only make $15,000. I don't care what you make. Put it in this site and see where you break out compared to all these other people around the world while we here in America are complaining about what we don't have how broke we are. We literally live in the richest nation on the planet. And that's not just now. That's that in history, we're in the richest time in history. And we are privileged by God to live in this nation. Amen? I mean, he could have had us born or sent us anywhere else in the world. Amen? Uh, but but he's privileged us to be here where we are surrounded by wealth. Surrounded, amen. By, we have, okay, you can shut that down. Thank you. You know, but I just want, like I say, take the time, go in there, you know, and this is based on, you know, and it tells you all the research that they do, but it's based, that's you in comparison to just under 5 billion people. And you're still up in the top. One percent. You feel rich yet? Just tell the person next to you, you're rich. Come on, tell them, look at me now. Tell them you are rich. Say it like you mean it. You are rich. Huh? Now you need to tell yourself, I am rich. Huh? Without stepping back and taking a bigger look at things, we feel like, oh, I'm struggling. I ain't got. No, I am rich. We are rich. Amen? When you look at the global economy, not just your bank account, because that's, you know, that's indicative of your spending habits. That's the only problem. Huh? That's indicative of how you handle your money. But when you look at the global economy, we are rich. Amen. We have opportunity 
amen, we have things that we can, you know, attain that other nations don't even have the availability to get to. But yet we complain about how hard it is to make what? Ends meet. You're trying to put together the wrong ends. That's usually the problem. Amen. So looking at that, amen, and understanding where we are, the time that we're living in, we, we need to really begin to take a whole different perspective on our resources and begin to understand that God has truly blessed us in a, in a, in a mighty, powerful way, amen. And, and so we, we are people without excuse. But then sometimes you hear this phrase, okay, and maybe you've said this phrase. Or it's been said in a different way, but I'm sure that most of us have heard it one way or another. The church just wants my money. Woo! All the church. The church just wants my money. But if you're bold enough, tell somebody that's a lie. That's a lie. Amen. The church wants you to be blessed. The church wants you to be saved. The church wants your commitment to God. The church wants to see you grow. The church, there's a lot of things the church wants. Amen. Not just your money. Now, we do ask for your money. Amen. We do, and based on scripture, which we're going to look at, you know, but we do ask that, you know, you support ministry. Amen. We do, we, and we don't apologize for that. Okay. No, why, why, why did the church, should the church apologize for asking for, you know, tithe and an offering that's commanded in the Word of God? We're, we're just doing what the Word of God tells us to do, and we're going to look at that. You know, it's just like no one ever says Walmart just wants my money. They don't, they don't say McDonald's just wants my money. Uh, do, do they? I mean, no, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't hear those phrases. You go in there and happily give it because you, 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 you want what they got. Amen? So everybody wants your money. Go to the car dealership. He's not making a car to give it away. Huh? Go, go talk to a realtor. Why you put them points on the deal? They want. But we, we have no problem paying for those things. But when it comes to the, the church of the living God that is, you know, the, the institutional church that's set up to build us and to strengthen us and to teach and instruct us when it comes to the money. Oh, that's all y'all want. No. I come to kill that mindset. Amen. We got, we got to kill that mindset. Amen. We, we're not trying to, you know, we, we don't want your money. We want, we're not trying to get something from you. We want, we want something for you. Amen. We, we want you to, to get all you can get. And God has a whole lot more to offer us, amen, than, than what, you know, Jesus wants to give us more than we can begin to imagine. Amen. And, and as we come into alignment with that, amen, we're we going to prove that that mindset that that's all the church wants is wrong. That, I mean, <laughs> Jesus didn't die to get your money. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what? He wants to be first in your life. I mean, that's what he wants. More than anything else, the Lord wants your heart. Hallelujah. And we're going to deal with that. You know, he wants your heart. And so we got to ask ourselves this, you know, who won, who won the Super Bowl? Uh, 
was expecting that this morning. <laughs> Everybody knows who number one football who the number one football team is for this year. Okay, you know right? Just like everyone knew it was the Seahawks last year, not the Broncos. You know, <laughs> they knew it was the Seahawks last year. Number one. Who is, you know, if you ask anybody who's in it, who is Miss America? People who, who, people who are in that circle, they know. I didn't even bother looking up because I don't care. You know, but my point here is, you know, there's only one, only one, no matter what it is, there's only one number one. I mean, you can look at any of the football conferences. You can look at the college conferences, you know, and you know how they hit the Big Ten or the top ten. But ain't nobody celebrating being number two. You know, good-meaning friends might come out, hey, you got, you got first runner-up. She ain't like, yes, I nailed it. No. Everybody wants to be number one, whether it's Mr. Universe, Miss America, football, golf, you, whatever they get. They want to be number one. Isn't that right? Nobody's celebrating coming in third. You don't even remember who's third. So it's shooting to be number one. And, and what am I saying? The Lord wants to be number one in our lives. First and foremost, he's not sitting back saying, "Give me some in the second position." Can you imagine that? Anything you put before God is your God. Amen. So we we got to stop and look at it. He's, he's, he wants to be number. Why does he want to be number one? Because he's got greater things for you than you can even begin to do for yourself. He wants to bless your socks off. Amen. I mean, he, he wants to move in ways in every area of your life. I'm not just talking about in your finance. I'm talking about every area of your life. He wants to bless you, but if he's not number one, he's like, hey, they really don't care who I am or where I am. So we got to get to that that mindset, amen. Oh, goodness, help us, Holy Spirit. Old mindsets. Because if he's not number one, everything else is going to fall apart anyway. Amen. We need to recognize that. Amen. <laughs> the Bible tells us heaven and earth will pass away. Amen. But to be in him. But you know, the number one place that most people struggle, and I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll zero that in a little bit more, in America, the richest nation on earth, the number one place that people struggle the most in putting God first is our money. Number one place. Wonder why that is. Hallelujah. I'm not getting too many amens on that. Amen don't mean you the one. It just might mean you agree. Huh? I'm, I'm going to be quiet. They might take us. I'm, I'm having that struggle. No. We need to recognize that, hey, who is the one that gives us the ability to gain wealth? Him. Amen? But when it comes to him, it's like, wow. God wants to be number one. Now, and I say God, I say Jesus. They're synonymous. They're one. Okay? But he wants to be number one in our lives. So why is this area of money such a challenge, such a, such a struggle 
amen, for the church of the living God. Amen. I say the church, amen, most people have a struggle. But see, if he's not number one, that means he's number two. And if you put him in number two place, it's easy to bump him to number three. Isn't that right? Something else more important comes up. You know, I mean, I'm going on that date. I don't care if I'm married or not. Something else more important comes up. Huh? I'm, 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 I could go down the list, but y'all got your own imagination. Amen? So and if he gets down to number three, it's easy to go to number five. And after a while, he's not even in the top ten because he's not number one. And we want to make sure that we, we make God number one, we keep God number one, amen, and oh goodness, the struggle should not be where it is, but it is where it is, amen, and that's why we have to talk about it, amen, because sometimes we don't recognize how big a struggle it can be, how much of a deception it can be against the body of Christ, amen, and we dismiss it, why? Because our money is near and dear to our heart. Hallelujah. Regardless of what the problem is, go to 1 Timothy with me. Say, one of these days he's going to get to the scriptures. 1 Timothy. Amen. Sixth chapter. Who's rich? Come on. Well, I didn't get too many people. Let me say that again. Who's rich in here? All right. Amen. Hi, Emma. Go on to the 17th verse with me. I gave you the chapter, didn't I? Sixth chapter, 17th verse. Amen. First Timothy. In your Bible. Okay. Thank we all there. Look what it says. Charge them that are rich. You just said you was rich. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things, what? To enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Oh, wow. So he says what? Charge them that are rich. And I'm going to read that same passage out of the, the NIV. It brings it home a little bit better, a little bit more, I should say. In the NIV, it says command. What's the command? See, when we say charge, you know, we, we kind of dismiss it. But he says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides with us with everything for our enjoyment. The 18th verse says it like this, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In other words, not selfish, not greedy, not hoarding your money. Amen. But ready to share. Amen. Then look what it says in the 19th verse. Why is he telling them this? In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. 
you think you're living now. Huh? But if we get this, amen, if we learn how to distribute and to do good, amen, and to be about good works, as it says in King James, or good deeds, amen, what are we doing? We're laying up treasure for the good life to come. So we're not, we're not really living yet. Not like he wants us to be able to live. But see, when we learn how to distribute, when we learn how to release, when we learn how to give, amen, it helps us to be in a position to receive more than we can attain even now. But we got to make up our mind. I mean, you know, so, but I, I'm looking at this passage, and he, you know, Paul is telling Timothy, and not just telling Timothy, Paul is commanding Timothy to command them. So I'm, I'm commanded to tell you to do good, to be generous, to be a giver, amen, to be not, not just giving in money, amen, but doing good works. In other words, get involved, get busy, amen, do things, amen, not just any old thing, but for the kingdom of God, amen. Notice one thing I want to make sure that we understand. We're not saved by good works, Okay. That's not what saves you, amen. We can go to passages on that, but I don't have time. You know, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Amen? See, that, that's, that's why he, he brought us into the kingdom, amen, so that we can do good things for the kingdom of God. Amen? So we, we need to understand this. Now, there's an, a, a story in the Old Testament that I, we're going to spend a little bit of time dealing with, amen, over the next couple of weeks. Now, you know, and it's important that we understand Hallelujah. What was going on at this time? Go to 1 Kings with me. Remember, God wants to be number one. Just tell somebody, he wants to be number one. Amen. Now, each one of us have to decide if we're going to make him number one, if we're going to let him be number one, Amen. or if we're going to dethrone him and put something else on the throne. Amen. But in this, this particular story, amen, 1 Kings 17th chapter, we're going to start there. But, but it's dealing with, you know, there, there was a, a conflict taking place. And the children of Israel, amen, were out of pocket, I should say. In other words, they were not honoring God. They did not have him in first place. And God got a problem with that. And who knows God can deal with problems? Huh? No, so they didn't have him in first place, amen. In this story, we've read it, and I've preached it, amen, a lot of different times, but there's a lot more going on in this story than sometimes we hit on, amen. And this is when, you know, we were dealing with the, the prophets of Baal, amen. Elisha came against the prophets, amen, and then it was 800 of them, 850 prophets that he had to come and deal with. But there was a lot more going on behind that story. Why were they there? How did they get there? And it's because the children of Israel were not allowing God to be first. And God said, I'm going to deal with this situation. I'm going to deal with this nation. Okay? Now, now look what it says in the first verse in chapter 14. I mean, chapter 17. Where did I get 14 from? Huh? Amen. Again, I'm, I'm reading in the NIV. I don't know how I got stuck in the NIV. Well, I do know how I got stuck in the NIV. I like the way it was worded. Amen? Now, Elijah... The Tishbite from Tishbe, wonder why he called it Tishbe, hmm? and Gilgal said to Ahab, as the Lord, the, 
God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. That's a powerful prophet. Obeying what God said. But he said, there ain't going to be no rain for the next few years except by my word, unless I say so. And he's working under the unction, amen, the apostolic authority of God, amen. And he, he just pronounced judgment on the nation if we don't understand what just happened. Because Israel was an entirely agricultural nation. Everything they did was based on agriculture. So if they couldn't grow it, the economy was going to crash. And when you're in agriculture, you can plow the rows and you can lay the seed and you can do everything in your power. But the one thing you can't control is the rain. And you can lay all that stuff out there you want to, but your dates and your leeks and your all, all this, it's not going to grow if there ain't no water. So he just pronounced judgment on the nation, amen, and because of uh, the fact that they didn't have God in the right place, amen, he said, no, I know how to get their attention. You ever felt like you was in a place where there wasn't no rain happening in your life? Ooh, help us, Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll let you meditate on that one. Amen. If you've been in any dry places, amen, why? Okay. So now let's jump all the way to the 18th chapter, if you will. Hallelujah. Again, starting at verse number one. It says, after a long time in the third year. Now, it ain't rained for three years. Imagine what the, what the economy was looking at by then. They didn't miss just one crop and two crops. They entered the third year with no crop. No e economical base to support their nation. They're in a hurt locker, if I can say it like that. Trouble is all around. He said, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. Now he's getting counsel directly, download directly from God. Now go talk to Ahab. I think I got their attention. Huh? So go talk to Ahab. And, and so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe. Notice what it said. The famine was severe. I mean, they was in a bad situation. So Samaria, amen, they just didn't have a shortage. They, they had gone into famine. Amen? Everybody's hurt. Nobody can do nothing. And then we drop, drop down to the fifth verse. Well, wait a minute. Let me do this. I don't, I don't want to drop too fast. Hallelujah. Sometimes we feel like we're going through a famine in our lives. Uh, amen. Things are dried up spiritually, relationally, or financially, or emotionally. Amen. And we go, okay, am I trusting God in these areas? Am I calling on God? And what's the miss? Because there is no will of God for us to be in a famine. Amen. In any, any area of our lives. Amen. So we got to begin to ask ourselves, okay, what's what's going on here? Am I really calling on him? Am I really trusting him. Amen? So, I'll change that over again. Just a second. 
Y'all bearing with me? Hallelujah. I appreciate it, Lord. Once I decide, decide what I want to do on the fly. Okay. He said, present your, your, him, he went to present himself to Ahab. Look at verse 2. So now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. And Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken an hundred prophets and hid them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all, now listen to this, go through the land to all the springs of the valley and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and the mules alive so long. Now look, they, they done got down to the place, they said, he sent an expedition out to find grass to feed the animals and a little water. Amen. So they, they don't have to. So we will not have to kill any of our animals. I'd rather kill them than watch them suffer. Things have gotten that bad. Hallelujah. Y'all see what's happening here? Amen. Can God bring judgment? Amen. Can God get our attention? Amen. Sometimes we don't want, I mean, maybe it took them a while to realize why are we going through this? Why am I having this struggle? It's because you haven't put God first. You haven't kept God first. Amen. Hallelujah. Because even when you go through things and you got God first, guess what's going to be at present? The peace of God. Amen. Because then you understand I'm going through this, and he knows I'm going through this, but he's taking me through this for a reason. But when there's no peace, that means, hold on, thank you, Holy Spirit. When there's no peace, that means there's, there's no God. Because God, he is a God of peace. Amen. And that peace, I'm going to say this, because sometimes people say, I got peace where I'm at. That peace lines up with the word of God. Amen. Now, let's look at the 16th verse. Amen. It's the same chapter. So Obadiah went to, to meet Ahab and told him. And I mean, Ahab went to meet Elisha. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you? You troubler of Israel? Notice. They're blaming it on Elijah. You're the one that brought this trouble. You're the one that pronounced there would be no rain. Uh, they're, they're blaming the trouble on him because he spoke it, but remember, he's just the mouthpiece. See, rather than recognize that God brought judgment on them, Rather than recognize it was God's direction, they'd rather blame a man. Hello? But look at the response. He said, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commandments and have followed the Baals. Not just Baal, but the Baals. All your false gods, all those other things that you put in the number one position. You abandon God and you put all these other things in the number one position. That's why you're in trouble. 
That's why you're struggling. That's why you're having a hard time. He said, now summon the people from all over Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel. Oh, my goodness. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Baal's table. In other words, bring all 850 of them. One man against 850 prophets, he's going to show you who's really in charge. Uh, but he said, the reason the trouble is here is because you put all them bells, all those things, all your desires or whatever it is first. Amen. God, this is why the trouble is in Israel. Or maybe this is why the trouble is in your life or your situation or your finances. Maybe this is why, because we haven't kept God in the number one position. And if, you, if he's not number one, then he's not. Oh, goodness. He's not required to do everything on your behalf. You want help? Talk to Baal. I like how Sister Karen said, when trouble came, the CEO of Nike didn't show up. Huh? They didn't come and pray. They didn't come and encourage. But if God was number one, guess who's going to show up? He'll never abandon you. He'll never leave you, forsake you. And I'll leave it to you to go and read the rest of that story. But I don't understand how they got there, amen. There's more that we're going to get in that story. But turn with me now, amen, to Matthew 6.24. Hallelujah. God wants to be number one. Tell somebody that. Hallelujah. Tell yourself that. Hallelujah. Tell yourself, God wants to be number one. Look what it says in Matthew 6, number 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now notice what it says, the last part. I like how I put it very clearly in this translation. It says, you cannot serve both God and money. Didn't he, didn't he equivocate? We don't have to worry about, you know, what's man? No, he said God and money. Notice, it didn't say you cannot serve God and Satan. See, sometimes we think that's the, that's the, the issue of we serving the world. No, so what is he saying? The number one challenge, as I said before, the number one competitor for your heart is money. And it comes to God. And that's why he said, okay, these are the one you're going to serve one of these two masters. And money's competing for your heart, but God wants your heart. Notice what it says. Oh, my goodness. You can't serve both of them. The, 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 the warfare isn't the devil. The devil don't want your heart. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's not what he's after. Amen. God is seeking to be the number one person, the number one thing in the heart of man. Amen. And everything else has to follow. So why do we have to deal with this money issue, amen? Because it, it's, it's such a big issue in our lives. Amen. And if, if we can get money out the way, if we can settle this money thing, amen, then we don't have no problem serving God. Amen. In, in that area, and we don't have no problem letting God know. See, because 
Your giving is indicates where God really is in your life. Amen? And in, 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 I want to say this. It's not just, I mean, I, we, there's plenty of places I can take you and talk about tithes and offerings, okay? But it's just not tithes and offerings. We need to begin there because God needs to be number one. He said, you know, bring the first into the house first. But even when it comes to being a liberal giver to others, once we've given God what he's due, Amen. Being a liberal giver in every area of our lives, other places, amen, that's that's what lets us know we've conquered the money thing. You know, like Karen said, it's, I'll give the 10%, but don't ask me for nothing else. And don't nobody else ask me for nothing either. This is my money. I work for my money. I'm going to spend my money. I'm going shopping. I'm going to have the best. See, that's self-centered. But God has given us the ability to gain wealth that he might establish his company. Amen. So we begin to look at these things, amen, and ask, you know, again, you know, what's com- what, what, where, where do we stand in, in that comparison or that competition? Is God first or money first? And it, it, it's told by, you know, looking at our spending habits. How much spending do we do, you know, how much giving do we do to the church of God, to the kingdom of God, to the work of God compared to how much we spend everywhere else? Huh? And so we, we begin to look at that. Let's let's jump over to Genesis real quick. Sometimes we we hold back, amen. We got all these reasons why we don't hold back, why we hold back from the church. But regardless of everything else, that's that's you giving that to God, not to man. You know right? And and believe me, God will deal with man if there's a need. There's not, not, not no, he might or he could, but it's up to us to do what God has told us to do. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Remember what I said about Walmart? You don't have a problem giving it to that man. What are you going to do? Is he going to get this money to the CEO or not? No. <laughs> no. Genesis 4. Hallelujah. By Cain and Abel. Now watch this. Starting at verse number two. It said, later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain sold the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought, now look what it says, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the first of the flo- of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So look what happened. Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Wow, why are you upset? Now notice the difference in their offering. You know, Cain just brought some of the leftovers. He brought some of the fruit, you know, the ground. But what did Abel do? He brought the fat. He brought the first. He brought the best, amen, unto God. He didn't just give him any old thing. Sometimes, you know, what we do is we'll, we'll tip God, but we won't tithe God. Amen? We'll give him a tip. Oh, that's a good word. That's a good message. That's a good, good service. And, and we'll leave a tip and not a tithe. Amen? And see, if, if we're not... I, I said, 
like this, anything less than the tithe is just the payment on the tithe, that you haven't got there yet. Amen. The offering don't even kick in until you've completed the tithe. Amen. So if you say you're giving an offering and you even gave the tithe, you're just giving a tip. Amen. Now, see, some of y'all might not want to agree with me, but he commanded. I mean, he said to, to bring the tithe into the store. He said, you have robbed me in tithe and offering. But he mentioned the tithe before he mentioned the offering because the tithe has got to be completed before you get to the offering. Amen? This is a hard saying. Who can bear it? All the children of God. Amen? That's who. So we got, we got to get to this place. Amen? They say, well, oh, you know, that's Old Testament stuff. Why, why are we looking at Old Testament stuff? You know, and some people will argue with you, well, the tithe and the offering, all that was under the law. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. Amen. And all that was done away with by, you know, when Jesus came. Now all we got to do is give whatever we feel like giving, whatever I purpose in my heart to give. No, even that passage, we got to get a right understanding. He wasn't talking about the tithe. He was talking about an offering. The tithe should have already been done. Amen. So when we begin to look at this, amen, let's, let's say, oh, let's, let's kill the fact that this was supposed to be supposedly under the law. Amen. Genesis 14 and 18. I'm going to run through some passages here real quick. Amen. In the interest of time, but I got to get it in your spirit. Amen. Even though your, your, your mind not capture it, I want to get it in your spirit. So write it down. Take some notes. Please take some notes. Amen. Genesis 14, verse 18 through 20. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God, most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God, most high, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Look what happened. This happened 450 years before the law was given. And if we don't know who Melchizedek was, they said that he's called a theophany. Amen. In other words, a manifestation. Amen. He, he was a man of no beginning of days or end of days. He had no mother or father because he was a theophany. In other words, uh, he was Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. And what did he do? He, he paid tithe. He, Abram paid tithe to Jesus all the way back in the Old Testament. Lord manifested himself in the, in the person of Melchizedek, just like he manifested himself in the person of Jesus. Amen? 450 years before the law. Now go to the 28th verse, chapter of Genesis. I know this ain't going to, no shouting message, but it's a, it's a saving message. It's a delivering message. Hallelujah. 28 verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow. Wow, that's when he was at what they call Jacob's ladder. But he said he made a vow saying, if the Lord will be with me and will watch over me. Anybody ever pray anything like that? Huh? He said, on this journey, I, will, I am taken and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. Has he done that for any of us? Huh? Look out now. 
so that I return safely to my father's household. Anybody get home safe? Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set as a pillar will be God's house. Where will it be? God's house. And of all that you give me, who gives it to him? God. He said, all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. How about that? Now, again, Jacob made this declaration 400 years before the law. So tithing was not instituted under the law. It predated the law, amen, and it continued beyond the, the law because it was not based on the law. Hallelujah. So how about us, amen? God has watched over us. He's provided for us. He's, he's let us go to and fro safely. Why wouldn't we want to bless him? You know, I've heard this argument before. Well, yeah, we know it was before the law, but, you know, a lot of people tied back then to their pagan deities and, you know, their, their false gods. They tied to them, amen, and they gave homage to them. And I said, oh, you just helped me out. Because if, if they honor and respect their pagan gods and their false gods enough to tithe faithfully unto a false god, what's wrong with the children of the living God, amen, that don't want to tithe and don't want to give faithfully unto the living God? If they got enough sense to do that, amen, and they got ain't nothing but a pole that they built, Why would we hold back on a God that built us? See, we, we, got, we got to get this, people. We, 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 we got to get it right, amen. Because there's a, oh, goodness. Go to Leviticus with me. I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to stay on task here, amen. Hallelujah. There should be no lack in God's house. For that matter, there should be no lack in your house. Amen? I should have got a whole lot of amens on that one. We don't want no lack in our house. Amen? But see, when we, when we fail to put God first, we're going we gonna to suffer lack. Huh? Oh, yeah, we're we, we going to suffer lack. I don't care how much money you make, you're going to suffer lack. Just like we've seen, amen, the, the children of Israel, they suffered lack because they didn't put God first. Three years of famine. Why? Because they didn't put him first. Now, now, and we ain't finished with that. We'll get back to that later. Hallelujah. Leviticus 27 and 30. He said, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, notice that, that there's no W before that. In other words, it's sanctified unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord. Amen? So when we take God's sanctified tenth, God's holy tenth, and buy our weave, buy our video games, buy those Nikes, huh? we go, we go buy whatever we want. With, with holy money. Woo. You think you think God happy? God is not pleased. He is not pleased. 
Because what we're telling him is you are not number one. I am. I'm going to get what I want. Take a second seat. You're in second place, maybe third. Because after I get what I want, I'm going to get what my kids want. Huh? And after I take care of my kids, I'm going to take care of my bills. And if I got anything left over, you might get a tip. I'm trying to help us. This is the God that gives you breath to breathe on your job. That keeps your heart beating when you're watching your new flat screen TV. Help us, Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. The tithe of everything. Oh, goodness. And I've had people ask me this question. Well, should I tithe on the net or the gross? Well, how you want to be blessed, net or gross? Hello. Which one? The net is not, and I want you to really hear what I'm about to say. The net is not your increase. Your net pay that you get on your check is not your increase. That's actually your decrease after taxes and pension and dues and insurance, all that that's taken out, that's your decrease, not your increase. And he tells us a tithe on the increase. So let's stop giving God off the decrease, amen, because you want increase, isn't that right? So it takes increase to get increase. Let's do it the right way. Let me give you some statistical realities about giving. This might shake you up just a little bit. The bottom 20% of givers, of earners rather, give twice the percentage of the top 20% of earners. So the people at the bottom of the income scale give twice as much based on percentage as people at the top 20%. How can that be? That kind of tells me the more you make, the more you hold. You know, you might start off because I, I hardly got anything, so I, I can get that a little bit. You know, because I trust God. I got to trust God because I can't trust me. I ain't got enough to trust me. But when he starts blessing us and we go higher and higher, that number gets bigger and bigger. But, you know, let me, let me tell you this. Remember when Jesus was sitting at the seat of custom? And the poor widow came by, and, and, and Jesus was sitting next to the treasury. He was actually watching what everyone was giving. Don't say, God don't care what I give. He was watching what everyone was giving. And he saw the widow come by and put in her two mites. I got the passage here, but I can just get it. He put the passage, and she put in two mites. And he looked at it, and he said, this widow has given more than them all. Because they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her lot, out of her poverty. She has given more than them all. What did he say? She gave 100%, and they probably gave about 3 or 4% maybe. I'm just pulling it out there. And so God is not really, he, I'm going to say this, and it might shock some of y'all, but God don't care how much you give. Money-wise. Numbers-wise. 
He's concerned about the percentage that you give. That's why he said 10%. That's why he said a tithe. That's literally 10%. What? So what do you mean, Pastor David, he don't care how much I give? He's not looking at the number. He's looking at the percentage. I just want 10% of your income. And then I want to see what your heart says to me in your offering. See, because 10% for a millionaire is still 10% for an hourly wage earner. Both of them, 10% is equal depending on where they are. Depending on what their income is, 10% is 10% is 10%. Everybody is giving equally. So God is looking at the percentage. But let me, let me share some more with you here. The most generous givers are those who make less than $12,000 a year. You know why? Because they depend on God more. Less than $12,000. The average American gives away only 3% of their income. That's across the board, Americans, period. Only 3% of their income, and most of that giving is unplanned, spontaneous giving. They just felt like it. Something got their attention. Imagine if they were planned, systematic givers, where that number might be. Now, let, let's, let's take out the ones that, you know, don't believe in God, amen, and, and the ones that just don't give nothing, amen, and see, okay, let's just look at the Christian community. Where will we be in that percentage-wise? How, how, how are the evangelical Christians doing? Amen. I'm not just talking about living. I'm talking about across the board statistically. Amen. It's sad to say that only 6%, only 6% of evangelical Christians, those who call themselves Christians, only 6% tithe. That's mind-blowing to me. Then we wonder why the church is impotent in changing the world and accomplishing its goals and its mission. Why the church finds itself struggling at times? Because only 6% of Christians even tithe. That just messes you up, you know. I hope we all in that 6%. Amen. Now, now, if they all, if not, think about this. Let's just prove that if all Christians tithe 10%, we could feed every hungry child on the planet and still have billions left over to do ministry and outreach. If all Christians tithe 10%. So we, we get mad at the enemy and say, the enemy's holding back. He's doing all this. You know, the real truth is, the real truth, the devil ain't hindering the church financially. The Christians are. Huh? The Christians are because we, we, we hold back. We measure rather than obey. We, we judge whether we will or we won't based on our emotions and our feelings or our circumstances. We say, I can't do it because I got too many bills to pay. Well, I'm going to say something that might 
cut some of y'all. Huh? Greed got us in that position. Buying stuff that we can't afford. So therefore, we, we have to pay. We feel like I had to pay. Now I got to pay it because they're going to come take it. I'm going to lose this or my credit's going to be messed up. I got to do this. Well, God, I can't help you right now. Greed gets in there. And it's not that you're trying to steal from God, but greed, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life gets us into a position that now we allow our money to dictate what we're going to do rather than God telling us how to handle our money. And then we sit back and we wonder, oh, goodness, when I get straight, I'm going to, no, you better let something go and get right with God. Because, uh, you see, that, that, that thing that you're holding on to means you're holding that tighter than you're holding the relationship with God, amen, who we want to be a blessing to. We want to we wanna be, you know, he, he, he's the one that gives us the strength to do everything that we do. But yet we'll hold back on him, amen, and say, well, okay, God, you understand. God understands. You know how many times as a pastor I've heard that over and over again. God understands. God wants you to. The Bible says, owe no man nothing. Well, if he wants you to owe no man nothing, he don't want you to owe him either. Huh? He said, let God be true and every man a lie. Huh? Let God be first and everybody else got to get in line. If he's first, let him be first. Don't let him be second. Oh, my goodness. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord. Well, we say, well. All those scriptures you talked about is Old Testament. I'm going to show you just one scripture in the New Testament that we got to take a look at. Amen? Matthew 23, 23. I know my time is long, but I got to talk to us. Amen? I'm trying to help us, y'all. Hallelujah. Matthew 23, 23. And I'm reading this one out of the New Living Translation, the NLT. Hallelujah. It says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe. Know what he says? You are careful to tithe. This is New Testament. Jesus talking to the, the Pharisees. Even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Say, you know, you got to do it all, is what he's trying to tell them. But notice what he said. He says, you should tithe. Yes. Do, but do not neglect the other important things, the mercy, the love, all those things are important. But he said, you should tithe. But don't forget the rest of it. Don't think you're going to get by just because you tithe, but then you, you're, the, you're the meanest thing in the church. Huh? He said, no. He said, no, we, we got to get it all right. Don't leave one out of the other. Don't, don't walk up in here singing like a mockingbird and, and, and your, your purse or your wallet is, 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 is tighter than a vault when it comes time to giving. Huh? No. You got to do it all. Help us, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. You got to get in the right place, amen. God determined his church. He said that he built his church, but he's going to do it through you know, the cooperation of his people. 
Amen. And God has a plan and an order, amen, a pattern that we see throughout Scripture, amen, of how he finances his work in his kingdom. God is a good boss. God is a good CEO. God is a, a good organizer and leader, amen. And he would not set up a system, amen, and not have a way to keep it moving forward. Hallelujah. And so, therefore, he blesses his people. Huh? Because he, he, he knows that those who love him, amen, will follow him. Amen. And those who do so will be able to come alongside and support the work that he has set in the earth to do. We'll get to a place where we recognize it's not just about me. Hmm? In Matthew, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overcome it or prevail against it. Now, notice this. He said the gates of hell won't come against it. But what about them people sitting in the pews? Huh? What about the ones that, that, that just don't want to cooperate with his plan and his way of doing things, his purpose? What, what, what about them people? Huh? Amen. The ones that sit back and say, oh, you can preach all you want to, Apostle. I ain't going to do nothing. Huh? Well, it's not about me and you. <laughs> it, it really is not. It's about you and God. And you're not withholding from me. You're withholding from God. So therefore, you're cutting off your blessings from God. And that's what we've got to recognize. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a way of doing things. Amen. And even in Deuteronomy, he let them know, amen, it's going to be at a place that he chooses. He chose his church. Amen. Where he put his name so that we can walk in the ways that he wants us to walk in. Mm-mm. So he can move through his church. I want to give you one more passage we're going to look at. Matthew 6, 21. And then I'm closing. Mm. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm. Now, do you notice the order? I said, you notice the order? See, your heart is going to follow your treasure. What you value, you'll put your heart in. What you treasure, amen, what you find important, that's where you're going to put your heart. Huh? See, so, so that's what we got to recognize is, do we value God's kingdom? Do we value the church? Do we value what we receive? I mean, you know, I like how Karen says she like a sale. We're all looking for a good value. You know, you're looking for a new car, you're going to go to true car and see where it's at on the curb. You know, I don't want to pay too much. I, I'm, I'm trying to get the best deal that I can. You know, we, we want to get a, a good value, amen, because we want to make sure we spend our money wisely. Isn't that right? We want to get, we want to get the most bang for our buck. Uh, isn't that right? Amen. Pastor Linda loves sales. You know, I, I, I ride by the stores, and all we all do, we see the signs on there say sale. This is on sale. That is on sale. I look at the store and see everything in there is on sale. Ain't nothing that they won't sell you. They have to, except the shelves themselves, so they put more stuff on it. Everything's for sale. I mean, so they, that, that's just a, a, you know one of them things I learned in marketing class. Amen. They have lost leaders, as they call them. 
They'll take one item and they'll mark it down and they'll put a big sign on the window, amen, but they'll mark everything else up because they know you're not just drifting by that one item. So it leads you in the store. They'll take a loss on that to get a gain over here. Because you're going to buy more. You might go, Elder Blackburn, you might go to the dollar store just to get your tea, but you ain't going to walk out there with a bottle of tea. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get more. I'm telling you, right? Huh? See, so we got to understand, amen, God is not trying to deceive you. He's saying, give me first, and I will bless your socks off. I will bless you in areas of your life, amen, areas of your health. He'll say, I will bless you in ways that the only thing we can offer God, amen, is that thing that's most dear to us, our money. You know, people say, don't mess with my money. That's why I say every time I get ready to preach on money, I got to pray. Huh? I say, I got to pray because I know. I'm messing with things that's dear and near to our hearts. Amen. But we need to hear it. We need to get an understanding. Amen. We want to be blessed. Amen. So therefore, we need to know how to be a blessing. Amen. We need to learn how to allow the, 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 the resources that God has given us to flow through us. Amen. We should be the most generous people on the planet. God's people. Ready to give. And you know what? When you give, amen. He he tell now I found somebody that I can flow through. But you got to ask yourself the question: Is God number one when it comes to my money? You know what I said? No, no, I'm saying that comes to my money, my money. Everybody say my money. See y'all want some of y'all won't even say it, huh? Huh? But guess what? Even the money in your pocket, in your wallet in your bank account, in your investments, in your CDs. All that money belongs to God already. And all he's asking us to do is give him 10% and an offering. Because he said, the earth is mine and the hills are mine. The silver and the gold, he said, is mine. The earth and all they that dwell in, he said, even you mine. So while you say my money, you need to realize it's God's money. Amen? Put God first. Let him be number one. Oh, my goodness. I said like this. Let him be Lord over all. Because if he's not Lord over all, eventually he won't be Lord at all. And we got to realize that. Because he's going to keep getting bumped down. If, if he's not Lord over everything you are and everything that you have and everything that you do, sooner or later he's not going to be Lord at all in your life. He is going to be, I used to go to church. I used to tithe. I used to do this. I used to, I used to believe. I used to pray. I used to fast, but that's not important no more. Something else, some other priority, creeped in because I felt I felt the the, the the pressure. It's relationship, people. It's relationship, and we want to work on that relationship to make it right. Amen. We want to honor God, as the Bible says, honor God with the first fruits of our increase. When we don't, oh my goodness, 
When we don't do that, we're really dishonoring God. You need to think about that. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. God is good. He's good enough to bring us instruction, correction. Hallelujah. We need to know how, amen, to humble ourselves. See, see, we got to humble ourselves sometimes just to do what God is telling us to do. Get ourselves out the way. So, as we prepare to leave, and you consider his word and his will, I, I, you know, I'm going to charge us to do this. Let's, let's really just pray and seek God about our level of giving. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands in here, but we got people in here that don't even tithe. I need you to begin to pray about that. I need you to begin to really seek God and say, Lord, give me the courage, give me the faith, amen, to be obedient to your word. To bring it into the storehouse so that there may be resources, there may be meat in my house. So that the ministry can do what the ministry is supposed to do. Amen. So that we can get beyond the walls and, and, and we can make an impact in our community. Amen. So the church can rise up instead of just getting by. We need to do our part. Amen. God is there for us on every hand and every situation. And you know, that, that, you know, when you stop and look at the, the scripture, he teaches us how to live. He teaches us how to love. He gives us his, he gives us his spirit in order to do those things. Now, I want you to catch this. The only thing God asks you for is the tithes and the offering. What else has he asked you to do? And we say, I'll take everything else and I'll do everything else. But the only thing that he's asking us of ourselves to offer back to him, we hold up. We pinch the pennies. We put a measure. Sometimes we say, well, I'm under grace. Well, grace always does more than the law requires. So don't hide behind grace. It always goes to another major. So if you're here this morning, and you are here this morning, but if this word has spoken to your heart, I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to step out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to pray and seek God. I'm going to ask you, even as you're standing or sitting or ready to go, to repent in the areas that you need to repent. Father, forgive me for holding back from you because there's no circumstance on earth there's no man on earth no situation on earth that shall allow me to hold back from you you are God and when I do when I give when I bring my tithe and my offering I do it as unto you I release it as unto you so Father in the name of Jesus we come before you right now God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your love. Lord, and I pray, God, as we stand before you, those that are in and amongst us, God. Lord, you know our hearts. 
and you know your word. And your word does not change because of our feelings. It doesn't change because of our emotions. It doesn't change because of our circumstances. So, Lord, help us to line up with your word. Help us to trust you. Help us to humble ourselves in your presence. And, Lord, those that are in our midst that need you, God, Lord, I just pray a prayer of repentance, Lord, for not trusting you, for not being obedient, Lord, in these areas, Lord, that we're looking at. Lord, and that the strongholds will be broken and the fear will be removed. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, Lord, the, the stumbling block or the hindrance, God, Lord, that we would move beyond that to honor you. To honor you because you're worthy. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you right now. We say, let your divine will be done. Help us to get it right even today, God. Today, let it be a new day, a new focus. As we move forward in this area of our giving, Lord, that you may have your way and bless all of our living. We thank you and we praise you right now in Jesus' name. Now, maybe he spoke to your heart.